We are on Yevamos Kofdalad Amabez 104b as we are towards the bottom of the page. And just a quick review, and then we will continue forward. Uh, we mentioned uh, in last week's recording that there are three steps to Chalitza. Now, it's possible that these three steps of Chalitza are necessary to fulfill the mitzvah of Chalitza. And those three steps are uh, various statements that both the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law have to read, have to say out loud. Uh, that's one step. There's also the step of Chalitza. Chalitza means the removal of the shoe, that she takes off the shoe from her brother-in-law's foot. Uh, and that, everybody agrees, is required to allow her to marry whomever she wants. And then there's an, a third step of her spitting in front of her brother-in-law. Uh, so wh- how much is necessary in order to allow her to get married to whomever she wants? So we said maybe for the mitzvah itself, you need to do all three steps. But in terms of what's required to allow her to ma- marry whomever she wants, so that is a matter of dispute. Rabbi Akiva is of the opinion that all you have to do is remove the shoe. All she has to do is to remove the shoe, and then she, that's the only step that is necessary. According to Rabbi Eliezer, there are two steps that are necessary. She has to remove the shoe, and she has to spit. Now, these are both actions. She, what's What's not necessary, according to everybody, is the reading part, what they have to say, uh, not just what they verbally, what they orally have to say. Um, but the dispute is between Rabbi Kim and Rabbi Lezer, is it just the removal of the shoe, or does it also require uh, for her to spit in front of him in order to allow her to get married to whomever she wants? Now, the Gemara now will discuss there's really a third uh, ramification to Chalitza, which is the fact that. Uh, once you do chalitza, so then you are not allowed to then marry your brother-in-law. There was this window of opportunity to do yibam, to marry your brother-in-law. Once you do chalitza, so then you are not allowed to marry your brother-in-law. And so the Gemara will now discuss, well, how much has to be done in order to uh, marry your, to, to, for this prohibition to come back, where you're not allowed to marry your brother-in-law. Everybody would agree that if you did chalitza, the removal of the shoe, so then you can't marry your brother-in-law. The discussion now is what about um, what about uh, spitting, or at least according to Rabbi Kiva, removal of the shoe would be sufficient. It could be that according to Rabbi Eliezer, we would require both, the removal of the shoe and spitting, in order to say that they're not allowed to marry the, the brother-in-law. Um, but the Gemara wants to know, what about if you just spit alone? If it's spitting alone, so would that disqualify you from... Uh, from marrying the brother-in-law. So these are all different stages with these three different ramifications, the mitzvah itself, the fulfillment of the mitzvah, the heter allowing her to marry uh, anybody outside, from the, from the outside, not from the brother-in-law. And then there's the third ramification, which is uh, their, the prohibition to marry the brother-in-law comes back um, into place. When does that occur? And so we'll see the Gemara now. The Gemara, in its initial analysis, will assume that uh, that there's a position that says that just spitting alone, even without removal of the shoe, will create this prohibition to marry your brother-in-law. The Gemara, in its initial ch- stages, will assume that this is a biblical prohibition, and then we'll see that uh, the Gemara will make this shift to say, you know, maybe it's even a, it's really a rabbinic prohibition. So let's see the Gemara inside. The Gemara says, They sent it to the father of Shmuel, and they asked him, Yevama Shirakuga Tachlots. They said, uh, they, they said that a Yevama, the sister-in-law, when she just spits alone, without doing anything else, 
So then, that automatically makes her uh, usher. It's forbidden now for her to do yibam, to marry her brother-in-law, and she has to then finish the chalitza process. She has to do chalitza. Uh, she has to remove the shoe. She has to finish the process. So the implication is, is that right away, by spitting alone, she becomes disqualified from marrying any of her brothers-in-law. So the Gemara now, as we pointed out before, assumes that this is a biblical prohibition. This is on a biblical level money. So the Gemara wants to know, who is the author of such a statement? Are we going within Rabbi Akiva? Are we going within Rabbi Eliezer? Who are we going within? So the Gemara says, it can't be Rabbi Akiva and it can't be Rabbi Eliezer. It can't be Elim or Rabbi Akiva. Hashem Abba Makam Mitzvah Deglim Emer Midi Dahavei Murim Dechiles Nilomakmi Kis Is Nilomakmi Amar Rabbi Akiva Lomakmi Meachin If Salah Is it according to Rabbi Akiva? How can we say it's according going according to Rabbi Akiva? But we know that according to Rabbi Akiva, it's not even necessary. All that is necessary in order to allow her to get married to somebody else is to do chalitzas to do, do the removal of the shoe. You don't even have to do the spitting. And we know that when it comes to uh, korbanas, the laws of bringing a korban, a sacrifice, um, there's a concept of that when uh, a concept that it becomes permissible to eat the meat of the sacrifice only happens once you uh, burn the, a specific part of the the fats of the imurim. Um, and we say that there's a principle that uh, when you have the ability to bring the emurim, that they're still tahor, they're still pure, you could bring them onto the altar, so then that it's necessary to bring them onto the altar in order for you to eat the remaining fats that a person's allowed to eat. But if it's impossible because they became impure or they got lost, so then you could, remain, you could eat the remaining fats uh, without bringing them onto the altar. But if they're around, so then you have to bring them onto the altar. So we see that in such a scenario even though it's a totally separate so totally separate area of halacha, area of law. But the idea is that uh, we can at least uh, find that in such a case, when they're around, so then they are a necessary part of the process. But bringing it back to our case, when it comes to the spitting, uh, that she has to spit in front of her brother-in-law, that Rabbi Kiva says that even when it's possible, even when she has the ability to spit, it's still is not ma'akev, it still doesn't prevent the chalitza from being finalized, meaning we don't need that step in the process. That's the point. According to Rebekiva, it's not necessary. It's not a necessary step to allow her to get married to somebody else. So we see, this explains the commentators, that it's not viewed as an important step in the process. So that certainly this can't be Rebekiva. If Rebekiva says that she could get married to somebody else just by the removal of the shoe, so then it's not a necessary step to spit. If it's not a necessary step, so then it, that act alone will not cause her to become disqualified from marrying one of the brothers-in-law. Uh, it's not viewed as a significant step. Now, one could perhaps question this and say that, no, the two are two so, totally separate ideas. What disqualifies her from, uh, mar- from marrying her brother-in-law and what allows her to marry somebody from the outside could be two different steps. We could, potentially, you could have said these are two different ideas, but the Gemara does not say that. The Gemara says that, no, we see that from the fact that uh, spitting is not required, that it's not viewed as a significant step in the process. It's required perhaps for the mitzvah, to fulfill the mitzvah of chalitza. But it's not required with regards to allowing her to get married to somebody else. So therefore, it's also not significant to disqualify her from marrying her brother-in-law.
So it can't be a Rabbi Kiva. In the end day, it can't be a Rabbi Kiva. Oh, if, what about Rabbi Lazar? Rabbi Lazar. What does Rabbi Lazar say? Rabbi Lazar says that in order for her to get married to somebody else, you need to have two steps. You have to, number one, remove the shoe. Number two, she has to spit. So, but it can't be Rabbi Lazar either. Because according to Rabbi Lazar, there are two steps in the process. Both are necessary. So on a biblical level, if you do one without the other, it is meaningless, says the Gemara. According to Rabbi Lazar, it's meaningless to just do one step without the other. So just like we require both steps, the removal of the shoe and the spitting in order to allow her to get married to somebody else, both steps are also required in order to disqualify her from ever marrying her, any, any brother-in-law, ever again. Um, so both steps are required. So Ella Karebi, so it must be that it is a, not Rabbi Kiva, not Rabbi Lazar, but it's a third rabbi, it's Rebbe. Why? What does Rebbe say? Ditanya, Rebbe says, we have in the following Brisa, it's almost Shavuos, and so this has to do with the various sacrifices for Shavuos. We know that they brought special bread on Shavuos, and that bread the when you could eat that bread is really dependent on bringing a uh, the kivsei atzeres the the sheep for that's uh, designated for that for the holiday of Shavuos and so the Brisa says kivsei atzeres in mikhachim alechem elabishchita that you you have to do some steps in the process of the of the bringing of the sacrifice of the sheep in order to allow you to eat the lechem, the special bread that is eaten on Shavuos. Ketah, what does this mean? So we have in the sacrifice, in the different steps of, of bringing a sacrifice, there's different steps involved. We're only going to discuss two of the steps. There are really four steps. We're only going to discuss two of the steps because that's what's relevant here. There's the slaughtering of the animal, and then there's also the sprinkling of the blood onto the altar. Now, those are the two primary steps. And so we'll see how whether both steps are necessary to then allow you to eat from the bread or one of the steps is necessary. So the the, the Bryce says as follows. If you slaughter the animal for the purposes of this particular sacrifice, you have the right intentions in mind, and you sprinkle the blood with the right intentions in mind, so then that automatically makes this bread kadosh, holy, so that you can then eat it. Not only that you can eat it, but also, together with the holiness, is that it has a certain level of responsibility. You have to make sure that you don't take it outside of the temple. They have to eat it in a holy place. Uh, so the two go together. What happens if you do one properly and one improperly? So shachat shalolishman lishman. Let's say the slaughtering was not done with the proper intent, although the sprinkling was done with the proper intent. So that, everybody agrees, everybody agrees that the bread does not become holy. The bread is not holy in that case. Because we need really the slaughtering to be done with the proper intent. But what about the opposite direction? If you slaughter it with the right intentions, but then you sprinkle the, the blood with the wrong intentions, it's done with the right intentions. So there, Rebbe says, Rebbe says if you do, in a two-step process, if you do one of the two steps, so then it at least accomplishes something. What does it accomplish? It accomplishes that it's holy to the point where taking it outside would disqualify it. It, it has some level of holiness. You're not allowed to eat it uh, because you need to have both of them done properly. Uh, both the slaughtering and the sprinkling has to be, uh, the blood has to be done properly. But if you do half, if you do one of the two steps, it does accomplish something. Rebbe, 
There's an, there's an, uh, an opposing opinion that says that no, uh, nothing is accomplished unless you do both of them with the proper intent. But the point is, Rebbe is of the opinion that even if you just do one of the two steps, so then something is accomplished. So, so too here, the reason why we're bringing this all up is to tell us that Rebbe is of the opinion that even if you don't accomplish everything without uh, uh, with doing just one of the two steps, but something is accomplished. So in order, going back to Chalitza, in order to allow her to get married to somebody else, you need to do both steps. You have to remove the shoe and you have to spit in front of him. However, if all you do is spit, so then Rebbe is of the opinion that it will still disqualify her from marrying any of the brothers-in-law. It's viewed as sufficient to, to, to say that the, the separation between her and the brother-in-law uh, has been has been created. There is that separation. Now, she can't marry anybody else until she re- removes his shoe. Uh, but the spitting alone would accomplish uh, something. And this is all on a biblical level. So the conclusion of the Gemara, at this stage of the Gemara, we now concluded this first half of the Gemara uh, in, in its analysis to try to figure out on a biblical level, does spit alone disqualify, does that create the separation between her and her brother-in-law? The answer is, according to Rebbe, yes. According to Rebbe Kiva, not. According to Rebbe Lezer, not. But according to Rebbe, yes, it's sufficient. Just doing one of the two steps. That enough would work, according to Rebbe. Even though she's not allowed to marry anybody else yet, she's still required, according to Rebbe Lezer, she still has to remove the shoe. But uh, it would suffice to uh, to disqualify her. It creates that separation between her and her brother-in-law uh, because there are various ramifications to Chalitza. Different steps could accomplish different uh, results. And so, spitting alone, according to, Rebbe, according to Rebbe, would work on a biblical level. The Gemara now says, well, forget about that. On a rabbinic level, it will disqualify her from her brother-in-law, according to Rebbe Kiva. How do I know this? How do we know that, according, even according to Rebbe Kiva, who says that all that's necessary is to remove the shoe in order to allow her to marry somebody else? But on a rabbinic level, we'll see that even a Rebbe Kiva agrees that spitting alone will disqualify her from marrying any of the brothers-in-law. How do we know that? Vahatanya, we have the following Brisa. Turning to Kofhei, uh, 105a, Chaltsov Lorakaga. We have the following Brisa, which says as follows Chaltsov Lorakaga, Lokara, Chalitasik Shira. If all you do is Chalitza, the removal of the shoe, you don't spit, you don't read the, uh, the various things you have to read, all you do is remove the shoe, that works. Who is that? That's obviously Rabbi Kiva. That's only Rabbi Kiva. It, just to remove the shoe alone, to allow her to marry somebody else. The Brisa continues, however. If all you do is spit, you don't do anything else but spit, the, the Bryce refers to it as a chalitza psula. It doesn't work, but it seemingly it does accomplish something, as we'll see. It, it doesn't work, but it's, it's a disqualified form of chalitza. But if all you do is read alone, that's all you do. If all you do is read, says the Bryce, it uses a language not just that it's disqualified, but you've accomplished nothing. Nothing happened. But the middle scenario, where all you do is spit, it sounds like something happened, it's just not complete. So the Gemara wants to know, money, who's the author of this b'risa? If you're going to tell me it's Rabbi Eliezer, it can't be Rabbi Eliezer, because we pointed, as we pointed out, in the first line says, if all you do is remove the shoe, so then, uh, according to Rabbi Eliezer, that doesn't accomplish anything. According to Rabbi Kiva, it does, so it must be according to Rabbi Kiva. Rebbe of the opinion that you need to do both actions. Actions include the removal of the shoe and to spit. Uh, you also have to spit. 
So Elapshita Rabbi Kiva. So it must be that we're going according to Rabbi Kiva. And yet the Brisa says, Vikatani It says that if all you do is spit, uh, so then it it doesn't work for Khalitza. She cannot marry whomever she wants, but it accomplishes something. So Laman. If we're going to tell me that it accomplishes something to the that it's disqualified, but it accomplishes something to the to the rest of the world, it can't be that she now is allowed to marry whomever she wants. Rabbi Kiva is of the opinion that you need to do, you need to remove the shoe. So what does the spitting accomplish? Uh, so it must be that this price is going according to Rabbi Kiva, and Rabbi Kiva is of the opinion that just spitting alone, which is not necessary, not even necessary to allow her to uh, marry whomever she wants. All she has to do is remove the shoe, but if you just spit alone without even removing the shoe, it will disqualify her from marrying uh, her brother-in-law on a rabbinic level. We'll see that this is on a rabbinic level, but it will disqualify her from marrying anybody, any of her brothers-in-law on a rabbinic level. So the Gemara wants to know why. The Gemara asks why. What's the difference between spitting alone and just reading uh, what they have to read alone? That by reading... We say it's like it's nothing happened. But by spitting, it disqualifies her from doing yibum. Sigmar explains. Uh, the Gemara essentially says that uh, that uh, as follows. That there's, uh, there's this very specific order to Chalitza. There's an order for the three steps. Basically, what happens is, is first there is uh, something that they have to say, then there's the removal of the shoe, then there's the spitting, she has to spit, and then there's an additional thing that she has to say. Okay, so there's 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 an order that that's uh, generally done. We'll see that it might not be required, but it's uh, ideal. So there's this order. So there's a concern. There's no concern when it comes to the reading, but there's a concern by the spitting. If all they do is read. So then there's no concern that they actually removed also the shoe. Because we'll assume that the reading that they're doing, whatever they're saying, is was said at the beginning, before they removed the shoe. Because the, it's normal in the process to read before you remove the shoe. However, if all that took place was spitting, so we're concerned that people observing this and people hearing about this will say, ah, if she, she did the spitting, so that's after removal of the shoe. So people will assume that if she actually did the spitting, then she also removed the shoe. Because usually the order is to remove the shoe first. So if she did the spitting, so presumably she also removed the shoe. Even though in this case she did not remove the shoe, all she did was the spitting. But people won't realize that because spitting generally takes place after the removal of the shoe. So people will get confused. And they'll say, ah, if all she did was to spit. And the law was that if she all she did was spit, then she could in fact still, because it's insignificant, she could in fact marry and do yibam with her brother-in-law if that were to be the law. So then people will get confused and say, you know what? What happened? She actually removed the shoe and she, and she, she, she um, did the, the, the act of spitting. Both of them occurred, even though incorrectly, that wasn't true, but people will make such a mistake. And next time, after she removes the shoe, people will think that you could still do yibam uh, because they'll say, oh, we see that that happened. So in order to prevent that, we'll say, you know what? If, even if she just spits alone, and even though it's a, Kiva, it accomplishes nothing or, or, or very little with regards to allowing her to nothing with regards to allowing her to get married to somebody else. Um, but be, because we're concerned that people will think that that the removal of the shoe also took place, so we'll say just spitting alone 
will disqualify her from doing yibum. We'll say, you know what, you cannot do yibum. You cannot marry one of the brothers-in-law once you did the spitting, even though on a biblical level you could. But out of this concern, because people will think that you actually also did chalitza, the removal of the shoe. Uh, so therefore we'll say, anytime that all you do is just the spitting, so then even in that case we'll disqualify her from marrying one of her brothers-in-law, essentially from doing yibum. So we'll see from here that on a rabbinic level, uh, they said that you cannot, once you do spitting, so then uh, that's enough to disqualify her from doing yibum. Um, so that explains that position. Originally we thought it was on a biblical level, and then we said that, you know what, it could even be on a rabbinic level. So we'll conclude here. The next recording will begin with a different version of, of what they sent to the father of Shmuel, that they really sent a different statement to the father of Shmuel, and then the Gemara will continue on with some very interesting uh, agarita, some stories um, and some uh, ideas that are not really related to Chalitza, um, a, a bit of a tangent. And so we'll continue on with this in the next recording.